and welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Top Dog Talk podcast. Slow down. Good intro. We're a little hyped up today, this Tuesday evening, January 24th. Holy crap. We're already almost through the month of January. Dan, how are you doing this Tuesday evening? I am doing great. It is my wife's birthday today, so uh, happy birthday, honey. I know she doesn't listen to the show. She's never listened to one minute of this, but happy birthday. I love you. Uh, excited to have something to talk about today, so let's get it going. Absolutely. Hey, maybe this is an incentive to listen to the show. Hey, maybe if it's even for the first minute and 20 seconds, Dan wish you happy birthday and I wish you happy birthday as well. Leave the names Allison, right? So happy birthday to yep. Allison, Dan's wife, the woman behind the man that is Dan Kylie. So with that being said, Dan, let's get into the show today. We've had a lot, well, kind of a lot. It feels like a lot that's transpired since in the week since that we had our last show and we're definitely going to touch on that. We're going to talk Georgia's wide receiver room. Dan's still grieving over the loss of A.D. Mitchell. I think Georgia's community as a whole is grieving over the loss of A.D. Mitchell. Big loss. We're going to get that later in the show. But with that being said, let's take our mind off of uh, thinking about what Georgia's going to do to replace him and talk about some hot topics. So with that being said, Dan, the AFC-NFC championship games being held at neutral sites. That is something the NFL almost went to in the AFC championship game if the Bills won, uh, ended up that the Bengals won and playing the Chiefs. Obviously, would have had their experiment. Where do you stand on moving those games to neutral sites? Yeah, so this is something that just came to mind or just became in my awareness recently. I was listening to 680 The Fan, and they were talking about how the people up in New York, they wanted to see – this game in Atlanta, like this, th- this was their test case. They wanted to see how it was going to play. Anything the NFL can do to make an extra dollar, they're going to do it, right? So they could sell the rights to this game. They could sell uh, premiums on the tickets. Uh, there's a million different ways they can make more money because the question was asked, well, if it was going to sell out if it was at home. So what does it matter if it's a neutral site? It's just going to sell out. You know, know where the extra money is. The money is in the marketing and where the and the extra money that they can do and then the the rights right because all of these places are going to have to bid for these games, um, so the NFL can make a money make extra money. Me as a traditionalist, I love having these games at home where it means more. I think throughout the regular season, winning games means more because you want that game at home, especially if you're a weather team. You want that game at home. Imagine if you're Buffalo, who is the team that we're really talking about here, if that game would have been played at Buffalo, right in the snow, I understand it wouldn't have been because the chiefs had a better record. I get it, but I'm just saying, let's imagine that was the home team, right? They're built to play outdoors in the weather. Maybe not this week, but typically they are. And then they take that game up and move it into a dome. Then all of your advantage is gone. Right? So I, I like having these games on the home field. Like I really think, it, when this playoff expands in college football, every single game should be at home for the higher seed until the um, – I mean, I, I think it's inevitable the Final Four is going to be neutral site, right? Uh, so and I think that's what the model the NFL wants to move to. But I just don't like it. I like him at home. I guess I'm a traditionalist that way. Harrison always accuses me of get-off-my-lawn type of guy to begin with. So I, I, I want these games at home. Harrison, you're younger you are more hip than I am. What is your opinion on this? Dan, to be honest with you, I mean, it would have been great to see a NFC Championship game in Atlanta because I know that hasn't happened very often. Shouts, shots fired, shots fired. But, I mean, it, it's cool 
I, I think it's an experience like no other. You only get it once a year with the Super Bowl in the NFL these days. doesn't happen very often, so it would be something new. And definitely I think the NFL was definitely licking their lips at the chance of seeing Buffalo and Chiefs fans just absolutely fill up Mercedes-Benz Stadium. I, I mean, they would have – I think the number was 50,000 fans had already bought tickets to Mercedes-Benz or were already booking trips to Atlanta to go see the game. It, it, it would have been perfect. It would have been a really cool scene. would have been something we haven't seen for NFC Championship games ever, I don't believe. But with that being said, nothing quite beats having home field advantage. Nothing. And if you want to prioritize teams earning the top seed, earning that you know number one seed, earning, bragging, or earning the rights to host home games, then you need to give them some incentive. You need to have these games played at home. You need to give these fans a chance to go see their team play in one of the most meaningful games, the most meaningful game, in my opinion, all year that's going to be played in a stadium, in a non-neutral site. So to me, it would be cool. It would be something I think is is different from just the regular playoff game. But at the end of the day, I, th- I think the games do need to stay at home. It's, you know, what better way to pay back fans of those teams than by giving them a chance to go see a game at their home stadium for the last time? Because for the Super Bowl, it tells the initial sight. So only the Los Angeles Rams, the Rams are the most recent example of being able to play in their home stadium in front of their home fans. Now, granted, I don't know how many Rams fans actually uh, showed up and, and, and all that because the problem with L.A. is getting and driving attendance. Uh, unless you're the lost, unless you're the Raiders, then you can always get an audience in LA. But neither here nor there. Then I want to see these games games stay, and uh, you know, in their home stadium. So with that being said, Dan, it's a big topic. It was a huge topic a few weeks ago during the national championship. Uh, the weeks and the days leading up to it, obviously, SoFi Stadium eliminated. Just said no tailgating outside the uh, SoFi Stadium before the game. You're not allowed to do it. You will not do it. And basically just took away all the Southern fear, uh, atmosphere away from this game. Dan, how does the no tailgating rule make you feel? And, I mean, are you against it going forward? Or, I mean, what's your take? I am 100% against this, specifically with the college atmosphere, but in just in general. But I'm more against it because of the reason that they're doing it. The reason that they're doing it is because all of these venues now are – Posting their own tailgates where they make you pay an X amount of dollars. Uh, I know when Georgia played Notre Dame at Notre Dame, the tailgating event was like, I want to say it was like $300 a ticket. Um, I'm not, maybe it was like $200. It was a lot. We didn't pay it. Um, the Notre Dame fans had awesome tailgates and they were more than accommodating. Uh, but tailgating is the most important part of the game, in my opinion. It's where you get to be with all your friends. You get to spend time, quality time. You uh, just and you just build up and build up and build up to the game. Uh, some people build up a little too much and can't make it past the first quarter. Uh, but you know, it's that build up to the game. You finally get in there, and, and you know, it's just a great tradition, um, especially down south, up north. Maybe not so much, but uh, with the NFL up north, it's huge. Like the Green Bay Packers have an amazing tailgate scene. The Minnesota Vikings have a great tailgate scene. The Buffalo Bills have an epic tailgate scene. And then just taking that away, it's just so wrong. And, like, I, I put a little tag here at the back end of this question. What's next? I mean, they, they figured that we can just eliminate tailgating. 
okay? Eliminate tailgating, and then we're going to make you pay, pay to tailgate with us. So I, I, I just um, – I am really, really against eliminating tailgating party. Like I said, NFL is whatever, but for college, it, it's amazing. Like I remember, you know, at Georgia, we tailgated um, in – our friends had a spot and like it got better and better every week and every year. Um, the multiple years that we were in school, it got better and better every single week. And it, you know, to the point where there was like big screen TVs and stuff, it was amazing. And, and like guys would be getting there at like four, four thirty, five o'clock in the morning to start setting up, making sure that they had everything going. It was just a, an amazing time. And I loved it. I loved the tailgating. And I just think it's a real shame that it's being taken away. And, you know, I guess the real question is what's next? If they're going to take tailgating away, what's next? Great question. And we're already kind of seeing it was, what, a year or two ago that they started allowing alcohol sales at, what, indoor? Or I, I don't remember if they – I don't remember when the exact rule was. They started allowing it at these different uh, venues, college athletic venues. And, hey, something new, something fresh, not something that's been allowed for all these years. But – that gave everybody hope that they're going to, you know, keep making, keep making progress. So I'm a little worried about, I'm not worried about tailgating as much anymore, uh, Dan, because I, I think LA is just, I mean, Dan, LA is different. California as a whole is different. And I mean, that's not going to fly in the South. If that game was held in Atlanta and Atlanta tried outlaw tailgating, I, no, it, it, it wouldn't happen. The game, I mean, Fans just wouldn't allow it in the deep south. It just wouldn't happen. So I'm not worried about tailgating being taken away. Uh, maybe at these pro pro stadiums, they're a little uh, worried about the safety and all that because there have been some accidents while tailgating and all that. We've seen that recently. But I, I don't think tailgating is going to get removed. It, it's, it's what makes college football, in my opinion, one of the best products that you can get on any given Saturday. Uh, the best product on any given Saturday and really probably throughout your weekend Nothing like the pageantry and the atmosphere that college football creates. So with that being said, as our friend Robert Reynolds says, I'm here for a rant. I was promised a Dan rant. Let's go. Dan, I'm going to leave you with that, dude, because there ain't no better intro than Robert Reynolds saying, let's go. Hey, also, shout out to DG Podcast. Doing an amazing job. Has a sponsorship with Apotheos Coffee, the official coffee of the NIL Collective, uh, Classic City Collective. I almost blanked out on George's collective name. Go shout out the DG Podcast and Robert Reynolds, Ron Daniels uh, over there doing an amazing job. Dan, with that being said, let's go. All right, so this one is is appropriate. Time appropriate. And I'm titling this rant, Know Who You Are. And I think you guys might be able to guess where I'm going to go with this. Maybe you can, maybe you can't. But know your role and shut your mouth. That's like the rock thing, right? So <clears throat> right now that a lot of these teams are finished, you're starting to see all of these coaches get interviews. Dan Quinn interviewing again with the, uh, the Arizona Cardinals. You see all these guys um, out getting their interviews in. These coaches have to understand, and, and I know that all of these people are alphas and they think they can do everything, but – some guys are exceptional, exceptional assistant coaches, terrible head coaches, and they should not be a head coach. 
They get an opportunity. They flame out. They do a terrible job. They go back to being an assistant, do an amazing job. Somehow their name becomes extremely popular again. And then they go get another interview and they do well in their interview. And then they get another job. And then guess what? 99.9% of the time, they're terrible the second time. Josh McDaniels, prime example, goes to the, the Broncos, terrible, goes back to the Patriots, rebuilds his image, goes out to um, Las Vegas. He's doing a terrible job again. I am, I just, I, I've never understood why these guys can't figure it out. And I just jotted down a couple of names that came to mind. I already said Josh McDaniels, Charlie Weiss, Charlie Weiss, Weiss with the Patriots was a phenomenal offensive mind. Goes to Notre Dame as a head coach. Terrible. Um, just not a good head coach. You got Dan Mullen. I, a lot of people, you know, Dan Mullen has been a head coach now at multiple places and he's never really been a really good head coach, but he apparently he is a great position coach and an offensive coordinator. And, you know, if he goes to Alabama, maybe he has a chance to resurrect his career again. I, I just, I don't know why anybody would give him another opportunity to be a head coach. I don't understand why he wouldn't figure it out. Uh, bus champ. We have never heard anything bad about coach boom as a position coach or as a coordinator. We've only heard glowing things about him. The guy's just not a head coach. Maybe he's finally figured that out, and he's here for the long term, and he's lockstep with Kirby. He'll be forever and ever. Amen. Ralph Friedgen. If you don't know who the fridge is, and, and, and Robert, you have to know. You're around my age. Somebody has to know who Ralph Friedgen is. Ralph Friedgen was one of the smartest coordinators ever. Uh, he was at Georgia Tech when they were scoring a million points. He almost won Joe Hamilton a Heisman Trophy. Terrible head coach. Kingsbury, great play caller, great coordinator. Awful head coach, Chan Gailey, awful head coach, awesome coordinator. There, and so one of the names that Harrison brought up was Dan Quinn. It, I, that, okay, I'm not out on Dan Quinn 100% yet because Dan Quinn did take the Atlanta Falcons to the Super Bowl. Mike Smith, <clears throat> he fixed the Falcons for the most part and you know kind of disappeared after that. Dan Quinn came in, did a good job. I don't know how much of that is because – Mike Smith laid the groundwork. I don't know uh, because at the end of the career, at the end of the stay here in Atlanta, he could not get it figured out. However, I'm I, I'm not ready to say he is, but in, in, in if you're in the here in the show and you're paying attention, chime in some names. I, I mean, Harrison has got a couple. I think that he he wanted to mention, but I, I just I don't understand why these guys can't figure it out, and that's why I think Todd Munkin staying at Georgia. I think he understands where he is in his career now. That, you know, being a head coach, why would you need that stress? Or why would you need that challenge when you know you have it made right here? I, he had an opportunity in the past. I, I I think he's just happy where he's at. Uh, I think he's one of the smart ones who's figured it out. Um, look at the guy that was at, um, um, oh, my gosh, what was his name? The um, Virginia Tech assistant head coach for the longest time. Was it Bud? No, uh, he was a defense coordinator. Um, oh, the one that replaced Beamer Fuente? No, no, not, not Fuente. No, I'm talking about the guy, it. the guy that was with uh, Daddy Beamer for the longest time. He was his defensive coordinator forever and ever. Amen. Never left, and he just knew. He just knew that I'm a defensive coordinator. That's what I am. Uh, Lane Kiffin's father, Monty Kiffin. He knew he was a defensive coordinator. He didn't chase other jobs. He was like, I'm good. I'm here with Dungey. Let's roll. I'm here with get. You know, it doesn't matter who the head coach is. I'm the best defensive coordinator in all of the NFL. I don't need a head coaching job. He figured it out. So know who you are. 
Know who you are. You know what? If you're a young assistant and you think you have a shot, okay. But if you figure it out, just know who you are. And that's my rant. Harrison, jump in. Dan, real quick. Uh, Dan Quinn, speaking of Dan Quinn, yes, Jonathan, this is a four-wide topic, but I have a pat like always want to talk about this, and Dan just kind of sparked in my head because it was all over the Cowboys 49ers coverage this weekend is Dan Quinn had an all-star staff an all-star staff in Atlanta. And I think that's oh, where it fell yeah. apart, Dan. I mean, I, he really nailed the staff. He had Raheem Morris as his wide receiver coach. He's the defensive coordinator for the Los Angeles Rams. He had Kyle Shanahan as his offensive coordinator, head coach of the San Francisco 49ers now. Quarterbacks coach, Matt LaFleur. He just got fired from the uh, – no, sorry, uh, his brother. He is – Matt LaFleur is the current head coach of the Green Bay Packers. Exactly. Let me right. look. Matt LaFleur. He, he just got fired from the Jets' as offense coordinator, Mike McDaniel, uh, head coach of the Miami Dolphins. My point being, was Dan Sean Quinn, McVay on the staff at one point? No, he was in Washington okay, uh, back with Shanahan. But Dan Quinn had an exceptional eye for talent at staff. And I think once that group, that core kind of broke up, I think can't, Dan Quinn couldn't recover. Not saying that Quinn isn't a great coach because he is great coach, great coordinator, great defense coordinator. But once that offensive staff left, I, I, I think that's when things went downhill. And also the roster started to kind of deteriorate in that direction. I mean, my whole thing is Dan, if Shanahan and that offensive staff, most of that offensive staff ran it back after losing the Super Bowl and Dimitrov kind of brought in a piece or two to kind of, you know, re-energize that roster. Y'all, y'all could have won it, but that's that's just my take. I, and I think with Will Muschamp, uh, speaking of Muschamp, because that's the name you mentioned, a guy that's at Georgia now, I think where he went wrong is that staffing. And I think that's the problem for most of these coordinators that go to head coaches is I think they get the staffing wrong, for one, or they get the culture wrong and the rule set, where you go in and you say, okay, I'm going to act like Nick Saban without the pedigree, without the – you know, background of Nick Saban. You can't go in there. It, say I'm an Urban Meyer guy. I can't go in there and rule with an iron fist and do everything Urban Meyer did without, you know, winning. You have to earn the right to act and to put on this Nick Saban or Urban Meyer personality. You have to earn it. And I think, you know, if Kirby Smart didn't win and hasn't won at an elite level like he has, the Kirby Smart kind of way of what he's doing would have worn off. And some people, some people didn't like it in 2016 when he wasn't winning. It wore off on some people, wore off some players. But now that he's winning, it's like, okay, it makes sense. He's earned it. He's earned the right to act the way, to do the things that he does. And, and that's why he's successful. So that's just my take. A little Reno rant, as, as Robert Reynolds said in the comments. By the way, if you want to get more of Dan's interesting NFL takes, check it out. Four wide every Sunday over on the Film Guide Network. Dan does an amazing job along with Jeremiah Stoddard and Jonathan Williams, who I did see Jonathan here in the comments. Appreciate you, bud, for also being in here. But with that, Dan, let's talk some receivers. Obviously, has some big news with A.D. Mitchell, uh, George's ex receiver. George's number one receiver entered the portal last Friday, right before the deadline, right before the NCAA said, "Hey, this is the you know the last deadline uh, for the portal, last window." until after the spring. And I believe the next window opens from March, May 1st and doesn't end until May 15th, I believe the, the, the timing is of that. So whoever's on Georgia's roster now, whoever hasn't hit the portal, is here until May. They're going to get a whole spring to kind of work that out, see where they're at, 
and we'll go from there. But A.D. Mitchell, guys, I, I can't say it enough. I said it at the top of the show, and me and Dan spoke about it. Dan's in complete agreement. I mean, losing A.D. Mitchell is a huge loss. Huge loss. There's no denying that. He caught touchdowns at all four of Georgia's college football playoff games. He made two of the biggest catches in Georgia's history. Two go-ahead touchdowns. If A.D. Mitchell doesn't catch that touchdown against Alabama in the fourth quarter, that game could go a different way. Georgia's offense needed to step up in that fourth quarter, and they did. A.D. Mitchell stepped up. That's who did it. A.D. Mitchell against Ohio State. Georgia's offense was non-existent in the third quarter. Come back in the fourth quarter, A.D. Mitchell takes the go-ahead, makes the go-ahead touchdown catch. Go-ahead touchdown. When they needed someone, A.D. Mitchell stepped up, and that's what he's done in his time at Georgia. Albeit short, albeit you're not going to see him go off to the NFL from Georgia, and his last game's not going to be in that red and black uniform. My opinion, this whole nonsense of whether he's a DGD or, or, or not, it's stupid, guys. It, it's immature. It, it's not the way we should send him off. I get it. You don't like the way he went off. You have a right to be upset. Everybody has the right to be upset because it's your football team. It's the football team you love. It's why Dan didn't want to lose him. And Dan's going to get um, – we're getting Dan in a little bit because Dan's going to talk about, you know, what hurt him and A.D. Mitchell leaving. Me and Dan don't know A.D. Mitchell. All we know is he's a great football player. By God, he's a great receiver. Going to have a tremendous career in, in his future. But let's let's, you know, my thing to Dog Nation is let's not – go after him for making a decision that he felt was best for him because at the end of the day, whatever he has to do that he think is the best decision, whether or not we agree with it or not in in 10, 20 years, he's going to come back to Georgia. They're going to show him making those touchdown catches. He's going to be remembered for a long time, a long time. Dan, with that, I want to get your take on his, you know, losing him. To, to Texas to the transfer portal because hey we talked about it last last Tuesday you said you would be upset and rightfully so I mean he's George's guy he was George's guy so and you know we're talking about this on the telephone a little bit and every so often and every chime in on the comments guys we're an interactive show we want to hear what you have to say too every so often there's a player that comes along and for whatever reason he kind of becomes your guy like you just like him and and he's one of the guys you root for uh, it, it doesn't always have to be the best player. Sometimes you just have a guy on the team that you just really, really like. And A.D. Mitchell was one of those guys for me. I remember when it first started popping, like, hey, there's this guy in practice named A.D. Mitchell. He's tearing people up. First couple of times I get to see him, I'm like, man, uh, that kid is really, really freaking good. And like Harrison says, maybe it's because he made some of the biggest catches in Georgia history, and obviously that would endear anybody to your heart, right? But this one hurts because, to me – he, he was a, he was our dog. He was our dog. And then I said, if you love to go to the NFL, I get it. God bless it. Go get your money. But, I mean, to go to another school, man, it, it's, it's like um, a lot of the kids I don't care because they're not playing here and they've got to go get an opportunity. And like I said on our show last week, the reason it would upset me is because you're our guy. You're our number one. Like, nobody questions that. Like, you're you're the dude. And I'm listen, I know there's a backstory. I get all that. And I understand maybe I'm more emotional about it than the coaching staff is or something like that. Right. So maybe, maybe all that's true. Who knows? Um, but all I'm saying is 
he was just one of the guys. And it just hurts because I know that he was going to be a big focal point of this offense. And um, at the end of the day, you can say whatever you want to, but we're better without him. I mean, we're better with him than without him. So, oh, my gosh, we have a guest. Robert. Gentlemen, how are you? How are you? We, we're just spitting on A.D. Mitchell. How did, how did you feel personally when he left? How did it make you feel? Um, I was in a glass case of emotion. <laughs> uh, I didn't know how to feel about it, man. Because you you, hear, you know how you hear all these different topics, right? Like, you know, nil tampering, and it, he wanted to be with his kid. You know, ultimately, for me, listen, as a as a as a Georgia Bulldog, he helped you win two national titles. If he thinks he can go, hey, all all power to him. Thank you for doing what you did. And keep it moving. You know what I mean? That's, that's how I felt about it. For, for the people on, on, on podcast, we just had a surprise appearance from Robert Reynolds, which I had nothing to do with, Dan. My hands are clean of this. Robert Reynolds got our link and got on here with his open invitation that we gave to him last week. Uh, so, guys, the DG Podcast, Robert Reynolds is with us talking some A.D. Mitchell and some receivers. Uh, Dan. Let's bring back. Let's bring back the interviewer, Dan. The TV reporter, Dan. Dan, okay. Let, let, let's rip. Oh. Let's rip off the band-aid, Dan. Give us your takes. Give us your question. I'm open up the floor to what we wanted to see. Let's have Dan Kylie and Robert Reynolds have a little rant sesh or or, or whatever. Let's. Let, yeah, what what do you out. got? Dan? Let's start this off. Well, uh, you just surprised the heck out of me. So I mean, I don't know. What do you want to talk about? Don't, I, don't be flattered. You I, ain't gotta I, worry about being too flattered now. All right. So uh, he wanted to talk wide receivers today. So I, I you know, I'm looking at this room. Um, with the raw raw Thomas stuff that happened over the weekend, you know, it's there's conflicting reports now. We don't know what the truth is. We don't know how it's going to play out. Uh, I I I don't know about you. You might have a different opinion than me. I'm not closing the door on that guy just yet because we know campus police has been known to um, exaggerate a tad. Maybe give a guy a gun charge for a Nerf gun. I don't know. Something a BB gun. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I, I'm not going to close the book on him, but how do you feel about the wide receiver room? Because I think losing AD is big. I thought, you know, well, apparently I was told that Ra Ra was going to uh, eliminate some of that problem. Buck Ballou seems to think Tyler Williams is going to be an absolute superstar. Um, so where do you sit on it? Because I, I feel like it's not a strength of this team right now, but I'm being told it is. I'll tell you what. I mean, when you look at life without AD Mitchell, you know, you look at all almost all of last season. You had guys step up, but it wasn't consistent, right? And I think that's a concern for most fans, if you will, right? So when you have that situation, right, there's always going to be some doubt, right? So you have Robert Thomas coming on. You think, all right, there's your consistency right there. And then things, you know, happen uh, with the Georgia Bulldogs' uh, biggest rival, if you will, Athens-Clark County. Um, ultimately, <laughs> for me, I just think that, you, you trust Todd Munkin, you, you trust Kirby and the recruiting class that he's brought in on top of who you've got in because you got Dominic Lovett. You still got, you know, guys like Dylan Bell, Denylon Morissette, Lad McConkey's returning. Right? And we ain't even talked about the tight ends, right? So the wet, so the cupboard is not even close to being bare. So for me, I'm not concerned at all. I'm just not. And I understand why people can be. I'm just not concerned too much until proven otherwise. Yeah, I, I right. I, I get what you're saying. It's just it's difficult to just assume you're going to be better. But like like you said, coming into the season, 
you know, we, we thought there was a chance that we were going to have a major fall off of that position, losing Pickens, and we were just fine. I mean, our guys put up numbers, especially having those tight ends. I think the real disadvantage of this year's offense is going to be not having Darnell. And, I mean, just think back a couple of years ago, we had a lot of hope for Darnell, but we hadn't seen a lot of production out of Darnell. And I remember our buddy Brooks, remember he was talking about, hell, if he catches two balls, it's a hell of a year, but we don't need him to do that. We need him for other things. He ended up being a fantastic wide receiver. I think his um, his – stock is through the roof I, i'm really interested to see who's able to really feel like gap. harrison i talked a little bit about that last week um, i know deuce robinson the kid on the west coast who has not committed yet uh has a potential to come in he's not exactly like darnell but he's much different than the other guys that we have on the roster uh, i i see Sperlin, i see um delp i see um lucky lawson i see those guys as more of a brock bowers type I, I don't really see that missing piece. So I think Deuce Robinson becomes a must get um, to make this offense the way that it was this year. I don't know how close it can be, but what are your thoughts on that? Um, who do you really feel like fills that role at tight end? I mean, I, I think you look at, obviously we've got Brock Bowers, right? When you, when you look at Brock and Delp at this point, you, you, you believe Delp is a better receiver, but he, he got a lot better as the year went on in the blocking game. Right. And you're not going to get a Darnell in, in terms of blocking. All right. The dude was just ridiculous. Um, but when you take and you look at the guys that we've got coming in, you've got Pierce Sperling, Lawson Lucky. Uh, if you do land Deuce Robinson, I think that's a that is a mismatch nightmare due to the fact that you're looking at a six, 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 seven guy. Um, but he's not I don't know if he's necessarily built like Darnell in a sense of like a blocking status, but he will he can stretch the field at six, 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 seven. Um, you know, even I think even better than Pierce Berlin, right? So when you look at it, you're, you're having an uber athletic receiving core that stretches into the tight end spots. Um, ultimately, I, I want to see these guys because you know Todd Munkin wants to do this. Have these guys blocking on the end of the line of scrimmage, right? Uh, for instance, you know uh, Bowers' freshman year, if you watched it. At first, he was he was a receiver that turned into a blocking type as well by the time his freshman season was over. So you know Hartley, and you know those guys are going to be doing that. And, and real quick, I, I want to jump in because y'all brought up a good point that kind of got me uh, thinking about it is we lost – Georgia lost John Fitzpatrick, who by all accounts was the best blocker blocking tight on Georgia's roster a year ago. And I think Dan and I talked about it a little bit is – like, it, it was surprising. I didn't think John Fitzpatrick was going to go. I, I I don't know if anyone thought John Fitzpatrick was going to go because of the fact that, yes, he was a great blocker, exceptional. Let, a, let alone being great. drafted. Right. Yeah, let yeah. alone being drafted. So, with, with that being said, it's like, what's going on? Like, how is Georgia going to fill that void? And we knew Darnell was a great blocker. We knew Darnell was a good blocker. But he took it to a next level. Like, that dude, He like Dan said, he didn't need to catch the football at all didn't need catches didn't need the touch now obviously he wanted the touches because he's an athlete he's a competitor and he knows he can do it like Brock does just in a different way but what Darnell did this year guys blows my mind and, and that's why I'm really looking forward to is can Oscar Delp come in and do what he did against TCU against Ohio State and, and put it together for a full season because he's going to get a full spring getting reps with the ones in that 12 personnel right alongside Darnell Washington or Brock Bowers, excuse me. Uh, yeah, still want Darnell there. That's okay. But 
But no, ultimately, though, you know, I look at it this way, right? I, I trust Oscar Delp. We, and, and think about this, right? And, and, and Elijah, you got a good point. Lawson Lucky, Lawson Lucky could be the – as weird as it sounds if you get Deuce Robinson, Lawson Lucky seems to become that third tight end that people forget about but don't forget about him. Like, j- you just can't. Because they're all – they all bring different skill sets to different levels of that as well. So – I mean, Pierce Sperling, we saw him at the All-American practices. I mean, we saw what he did over Caleb Downs, right? I, I think at that point, you know what you're capable of seeing. But ultimately, to get on the field and get in the rotation, you're going to have to prove yourself on the line of scrimmage too, right? You're going to have to get better at blocking. It's the future of the tight end room. But, um, but yeah, no, I, I think I think Elijah brought up a good point. Don't forget on Lawson Lucky. It's easy to talk about Bowers and Delt, but I, I, listen, I'm expecting those guys, especially with our schedule, Listen, they're going to get reps. Oh, yeah. They're going to. So, you know, one of the things is I got to see Lawson Lucky play a lot in high school. I got to see Delt play a couple times in high school. Not a lot. Only a couple times. Uh, It was funny. I was talking to uh, our high school coach over here at Mill Creek, uh, Coach Lovelady, who is a phenomenal coach. If you ever get a chance to talk to him, he's an amazing guy and does a great job. I'm very fortunate that my son gets to play for him. And I was asking him about Delp, how good he was. He goes, hey, we need credit for that kid being a, a, as highly rated as he is. And I said, how do you figure that, Coach? He's like, because we gave up like 300 yards to him in two <laughs> years. So, <laughs> um, go ahead. We're talking tight ends. I want to drop a little bit of a little bit of a plug here, man. I got so – obviously, y'all know me being from North Carolina. There's a kid up here in Reedsville, uh, 2026. I know we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit here. my son's here. group. Dude, 2026 out of Reedsville, Kendra Harrison. 6'7-240 already. Good God. Power five offers. And the kid is just like a damn antelope, man. Like he'll catch the ball fluid and just take off running. And it's so smooth the way he does it. So I I I mean, listen, if he's watching, I've been watching your tape, buddy. I I see what it's about. I'm telling you right now, that I'm not saying it will be, but I guarantee you Todd Hartley's gonna be looking that way. You hey, can't you know- over- you need to tell that young man that Mill Creek is just right down the road from Athens, and we're a set, we're the largest high school in the state of Georgia. That's like we, five hours away, man. That's a hard move for them. It's a move, though. You know, it's the move. <laughs> You're right in Todd Harley's backyard. We got a quarterback and get you the ball, son. Well, I mean, Harrison, you were from, you're from North Carolina as well, too. Like you know, you know, how, you know, Reedsville. Reedsville is one of the power programs in the state, at least in yeah. North Carolina was. So I mean, like he's, listen, he's, get, he's getting exposure, man. Like he's getting some exposure. And and listen, he, he's getting them power five offers, and ultimately, I'm telling you, Todd Hartley will come. I promise you that. I'm recruiting, Robert. I, I know you're trying to recruit, but damn, I'm just giving my man some plug. All right, <laughs> come on, man. My my son needs targets. Let's go. He's a target, all right. That boy hey, all right, targets too. Hey. We're talking about targets. We're talking about all these guys. And, and you know, I, I I think that running back room, and we were talked about this a little bit last night in the lounge. Um, is just the amount of running backs that Georgia has coming back this year. I, I mean, Kendall Milton coming back is like a bonus. Bronson Robinson, I'm really, really high on. And and Paul, the guy that we didn't even get to see, um, you know, how good is he supposed to be? Because all indications were that he was better than, you know, than Bronson Robinson was, or B-Rob as I like to call him. But – and you still have Edwards coming back. And I always just have to throw my boy Savion Clark in there, even though I know he doesn't get any run. But – that's my boy. I'm never going to let it go. 
But hey, who who do you have your eye on as a back? I mean, do you think any of the guys coming in? Do you think Paul's the guy? Who who's your who's your lead dog next year? I mean, I obviously we know that they're going to give the first crack to Kendall, um, but we know with his uh, health, the, you know, having a hard time staying healthy every game. Uh, who who do you like? I mean, I, I think the X factor this whole running back room is going to be Andrew Paul because, like you said, we we sit there, we look at what our expectations were. Right ahead of his, or prior to his injury, right, and ultimately, I would see, I would see, I would assume maybe probably summertime you'll start seeing him hit maybe in some contact practice. However, you know if it's not if it's not Andrew Paul, give me Branson Robinson. My man earned the reps that he got this year, and when you bring that level of physicality, and to me, look, we knew we knew he was, you know, everybody wanted to compare him to Chubb and things like that from a physique standpoint and fair, but. Running style is a little bit different to me. When when I when you watch him and you you know if you go back throughout the year and you watch him run and you see him hit that edge, it's deceptively fast. And, and I think with a full off season, another off season, obviously making sure that you're staying healthy and coming into that season. Obviously, we know Kendall and Dejon, but when you have a guy like Branson Robinson, Branson Robinson could be the nail in the coffin for a lot of teams this year. Just, who wants to tackle that man, especially me. third and court? Yeah, hell nah. Hell nah. Like, there's a difference between being physical and then Bresson Robinson. You know, the yeah. crazy thing is, is you talk about the comparison to Chubb. You can't even compare Chubb to Chubb. Go back and look at Chubb's tape his freshman year. Pre-injury he, I, was a different beast. But, that, I mean, sprinter speed. Like, people yeah. forget about that. He had elite top-end speed. He ran away from people as a freshman. With one shoe off. With his one first touchdown down the but he never regained. Even to this day, he's not that same guy, but he's still yeah. better than everybody else. So imagine how good he would be if he was still healthy. I, I mean, if he had never that got boy hurt, good. that boy good, that boy good. <laughs> but real, real quick, I do. Ahead, I, I, I just did the math. Georgia has two hundred ninety-three carries coming back between Dajan, Milton, and Branson Robinson just from a year ago. Two hundred ninety-three carries, and this is what blew my mind. I didn't realize this. I don't know if y'all realize this. But, 73 carries? Is that what you're about to say? No. Dejan oh. Edwards had 140 carries. 140. Look how many carries Branson Robinson had. 73, well, 60, I think. Yeah, I was going to say 73. 68. 68. 68. Well, all right. Well, 71 anyway. and a half to be in the middle. Yeah, I. but, you know, like the thing is, like, when, when I was listening, um, I, I thought his carries were in the 40s, right? I, I didn't think he had that many. But he impressed the hell out of me. And I listened. I understand that TCU was demoralized at the end of that football game. But that kid was not going to be – I mean, he was not going down. And I was – I think I got more excited for his touchdown runs than I did for the first one. I'll tell you heck, what, though. Heck no, Dan. Heck no, Dan. Listen, I know Dan another... was out of his chair on that Lyle McConkie bomb, just <sighs> the wide-open bomb. I know Dan was out of his chair, probably spilled popcorn, whatever beverage he had. I know that was on the floor after that touchdown. You know what, though? So – you know the fun part about this, right? Like, as we're moving from the 22 season into the 23 season, what better way was it to watch Branson Robinson just take over that fourth quarter and not show any fucking mercy whatsoever? Oh, and, and even my boy Savion Clark got carries, and he was he was ripping off runs too. Like, I, you're right. Like, even at the end of the game, it was just total domination. Yeah, Clark ran for what 25 on that scamper. 
looked like 20, 25. Not Saving Clark. Yeah, yeah. Like 25. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, it was just complete domination. I think the biggest question on everybody's mind, and since we have Robert here, I know that we're going to talk quarterbacks in the future, but um, I need I need Cash Jones. Give me Cash Jones. And, it I, need, been, it and I need Jackson Muschamp handing the ball off. Let's go. It would have been the jackpot if Cash Jones didn't get injured and, and play in the national championship game. Oh my gosh! Talk about just clearing out the sideline. Whew. Yeah, but Man, you can't oh put my. you can't put Muschamp in the game over Bullshit. Gunner. Gunner didn't even get a snap. We listen. You protect that red shirt, damn it. Give, oh, give, no. Keep Jack. Hey, listen. We know hey, Jackson Muschamp. He's he he the truth, man. He's the truth. Right, Jackson's the truth. Uh, real, real, real quick, guys, because we do we we did tell the audience we are talking receivers, and before we get into the quarterback conversation, because I know Dan's dying for it. I know everybody's dying for it. I know Dan told me a week ago. I'm so excited to have a season where we don't have to argue about whether or not Seth Ben's good or not. Like we don't have to argue about it this year. It's over. It's all in the past. Oh man, what I said is okay. Context is everything, right? I'm exhausted of Stetson Bennett. And not not because I don't because I'm tired of I'm tired of having to defend him constantly. I'm so tired of that argument of every time you talk Georgia football, somebody wants to bring up Stetson Bennett. I'm exhausted from Stetson Bennett. Not and it has nothing to do with that man himself. He didn't do anything wrong. I've loved having him here at Georgia. I'm just exhausted of the conversation around Stetson. I'm excited to start talking about some other guys. Uh, and, and I, I, yeah, that's what I was trying to getting at. I, Dan's not. Yeah, sorry, sorry, Dan, if I put that wrong. But like, I was trying to get at the fact that yeah, we don't have to sit here and defend him, or you know, sit here and, and sit through the bashing of him twenty four seven. I think that's going to be re-energizing. I'm also happy for him, Dan. I think he's happy to kind of get away from it. You know, obviously he loves Georgia, but it, it, it's going to be refreshing not to have that sitting there and that, that negativity in the fan base. Now, who knows? Who knows? Maybe, you know, Kirby Smart starts to walk on quarterback again over Carson Beck and Brock Vandegrift and Gunnar Stockton. Oh, and, heck, we're, we're we're back in the cycle. Of- the, cy- the cycle for Georgia fans would never end, and, and it would be just constant debate. Yeah. You would, you would get a week. You would get – I guarantee you get a damn rant every damn day. Watch. Yes, you would. <laughs> every damn day. Why the, why the hell do we have a walk-off starting again? But I know, I know this. You know who I would feel terrible for? I I would feel ter- terrible for Carson Beck if he doesn't win the job. Dude, he gonna, you know he's you know he's gonna have every shot not every to shot lose, to lose it. Like he's gonna get every chance not to lose this job. Like one of the things that I think people may not have really paid attention to that I I thought was telling at least to me was the fact that when he got in this season. He didn't just hand the ball off. He actually operated the offense. That's the X factor for me moving forward. That tells me that Todd Munkin trusts him enough moving forward into 23. That, that To me, that just screams that you're, you're prepping him to go. The only – and I agree with you 100%. And you know what? There were times where he came in the game and it seemed like we were moving the ball better when he was in the game. Um, I, I thought I thought Carson Beck looked amazing. But the one thing that's I, like just keeps – like going off in my head, like a big red flag, just sirens going off. Is every time they talk about this compu- this quarterback battle, they keep saying mobility is going to be the biggest factor. Maybe, but I mean, ultimately, I don't think people truly like. Listen, he is not as fast as Stetson Bennett, 
But if he needs to move out of the pocket and make stuff work, he can do it. Give me, listen, I'm not saying that mobility will be the X factor and what could do this. But if we go back a little bit, take a little trip back in time, guys. Let's go to Stafford and Aaron Murray. Weren't the fastest guys, but they were pure passers and, and they really were some of the pure best pure talent we've ever had at the quarterback position. Murray could most, run. Murray could, yeah. I mean, Stafford, Stafford, Stafford was kind of able to do that because we remember that, hey, that Georgia Tech run, I know y'all remember that. Yes, sir. Could, could you imagine if Stafford took college seriously and wasn't fat? Frat, if Frat Stafford never existed, oh, my God. He, he would I, own dude, every record on earth. We First off, I think you'd have a Heisman. Yeah. Second off, you'd probably have a Davey O'Brien. Yep. Maybe the Maxwell. Possibly. And honestly, that 07 team. Natty. Yeah. That 07 season. Whew, when you have no Sean and Massaqua and AJ Green and oh my God, ask, man. Ask how, Hawaii how that's going. Boy, Colt Brennan. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, RIP. No. RIP. Yeah. He never recovered from that game. He never recovered. You notice that, though. George is good at ruining programs as well. Like, <laughs> Good gosh. But real quick, speaking on the X factor of mobility, Robert, you, you brought it up and got me thinking. You, you Obviously, Carson Beck's not the runner. Doesn't have the speed of a, of a Setson Bennett. And Long. Dan, you can get in on this. Uh, does any – in my opinion, from what I've seen, Gunner's the closest thing athletically, speed-wise. I think he's probably going to run the fastest time. Brock, but, I mean, Brock is faster. Brock, you think Brock's Brock, faster? Brock is deceptively fast. What, go back to G-Day. If you go back to G-Day, he took off on a run, easily hit 15 yards, and it made it look like it was like a five-yard run. Brock is fast as shit. Maybe I missed it then. I, yeah, I, I, I missed on that. Listen, Gunner, Gunner runs more physical. And, and yes. the, one, the one thing about it, when you watched him back at Raven County, and, and the only game I can vividly remember, because the only one I was able to watch, was the Prince Ave, Raven County, and he Hell, ran extremely physical. He, yeah, it was beautiful. He ran extremely physical, and I, in my opinion, I get nervous about that because when you try to do that in the SEC, it's a different breed than up in Raven County, from what I hear. But so at the same I, time, though, BVG can run it. He can he can run it, and he can throw. So, like, I got a, a chance to call six or seven of Gunner's games on the radio. Oh, you dirty dog. Um, but two of the so two of them back to back years were the Jefferson game, and, and you know the, my my criticism of Gunner coming in was that when he's outmanned, he didn't perform well. Like it, when he had the talent advantage on everybody, he just absolutely murdered people. But what, is Raven two A? Uh, two and Jefferson's a bigger school. Well, no, no, uh, no, no. I'm just curious. Raven County is it a two A school? Like, I think I can't remember great. what they are now. I think it's either one or two. Two, I think. Avenue, uh, I know Prince Ave was like the one A, right? Like, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, um, but you know, the one thing is that whenever he played against Malachi Starks, um, he could not run away from Malachi. Like he just, and that was one of the things that I know that Brooks had a, a question on was his overall top end speed. With Brock, Brock's arm is a freaking cannon. Uh, maybe accuracy might be an issue, but the dude can run. And I go back and watch this Prince Avenue days. He, um, dude, he had a ton of yardage. 
Brock had a ton of yardage on the ground. But it, it was never talked about because that was not the focal point of his game. We also but, had Logan Johnson. Yeah, Lojo. Sneaky underrated. Lojo. Who's Tom George's roster, by the way. Yep. Still a walk-on, right? Yep, still is. Yep. And quite happy. I mean, listen, I mean, you, you go 15 minutes down the road and, and, and play and win a national title. Hey, walk-on. We know how it goes. Hey, I, I did want to point this out, Rob. Uh, it, it, it's an inside joke on the DGG for the for the Bones Brigade. Next time we do have Robert, Juan Claus is coming with him. Christmas is coming to town. He's still he's still on his honey. Uh, he's got a vacation after the holidays. So, listen, you, you might catch him a little bit, but he's been hit or miss. So, real quick, I, I do want to let, let's hit this real quick. Zachary Moss Gunners last year at Raven, he didn't have to unleash his arm until until the playoffs. Lots of bubble screens in Coach Davis's offense. Hey, good insight there from Zach. Uh, appreciate everybody being in the comments. We appreciate Robert Reynolds from the DGG Podcast joining us. Uh, real quick, do want to talk about it, uh, Robert. Dan, your your guy last year in the freshman class was Malachi Starks. Robert, we all. I'm gonna give everybody. I'm gonna give Dan the chance. I'm gonna give Robert the chance. Robert, I'm not gonna be surprised with your answer. I don't think anyone's gonna be surprised with your answer. But give us Robert Reynolds' guy from this freshman class. Dan, you're up next. If I had to, I mean, it's so easy to say Malachi Starks, and for the sake of entertainment, I'm not going to say Malachi oh, no, no, Starks. No, no, no. This this freshman class. Oh, you talk about the 23 class. Oh, mm-hmm. man, listen, incoming, incoming class. I, I know you got got. Listen, there's going to be some dudes in this class. I, I'm just going to let you know. You'll probably see Damon Wilson day one, wreaking havoc and, and busting shit up. But I got to go big job, man. Just the the presence in the interior. And the ability to eat double teams, take up space, and let those linebackers flow in behind you. You're gonna, I'm telling you, I've watched them in person. The kid is every bit as advertised in regards to his playing style, his measurables. The kid is every bit of 6'6, and he was 355 during the season. He's he's gonna be a problem for for teams moving forward when he's on the field. And I know he's gonna play. When you have a body, when you have a body that big. You and you have Pop Johnson and you have Small Mondon. Just picture a double team being taken up by Big Jaw and then allowing Small Mondon to flow in a gap right behind it. Good luck. Yeah. All right. So, um, obviously, Damian Wilson is a, is a guy that pops right in, in his name or whatever. But the, the, I have a so when Cannon had a chance to go on that visit to Georgia, one of the guys that we got to meet was AJ. Well, um, uh, AJ, AJ Harris. Harris. He's going to be a dog. He's going to be a dog. Super nice kid. Like real positive, had that vibe to him. Like you just, if you're ever around somebody and they just have that, um, they just have that energy, just yeah. that energy. He the, had that right energy. Like, he had that vibe. Like, and, and, and obviously we know, um, we know with um, Keely going to the league, and we got some guys in the program right now, but I, I just I have a feeling that AJ Harris is going to be on the field, and, and I had that feeling with Malachi last year. Remember, Harrison, you and I were talking about it, and there was some other people who laughed at me when I said he was going to start because they were like, "No, no, no." And now even they're, they're even backtracking a little bit, saying, "Well, it's because of injuries." Now Malachi was that dude from day one. Oh, Malachi I, was, yeah. The first time you got tested and saw that pick, oh my god. Yeah, I just as Roots would say, I got Randy. Yeah. <laughs> I just I, I think I mean obviously Wilson will probably be the guy that most people will talk about, but I think AJ Harris has a real good chance to don't take. hey hold on before you go, 
don't sleep on the offensive side of the ball either because you're looking at guys like Yazid Haynes and Anthony Evans that are bringing some absolute juice to pair with C.J. Smith and Arian Smith. The, the shit's it's, it's stupid. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. And Elijah, mm-hmm. jo- uh, Jordan Hall. Man, listen, mm-hmm. it, the fact that Georgia only took two defensive linemen, not edge, not edge, but defensive linemen in this class, it means you have to hit on both. And Jordan Hall and Jamal Jarrett, I think, are going to hit. Well, and, the and other thing, too, is – like they gonna Buck, play well. They put. I guarantee you they will play extremely well together, and they will match up perfectly. Watch. So Buck Ballou was. Um, Buck Ballou is huge on Tyler Williams. He thinks he is going to be an absolute star, and he thinks he's going to explode on the scene. Um, so that's the name that he was been talking about. I don't know a hell of a lot about him. All about I know like, is he's like he says he's six, like six four. three six four. The, yeah. the, 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 I think the key though is the speed that comes along with that size, because well, apparently he's a track star. Boys fast. Like one Boys of the fastest fast. dudes in the country. Yeah, I mean to be six four and be able to run like that, like, like obviously there he's uncommitted. But uh, Nicholas Harbor, I think wherever he goes, it's is going to be a problem. Right? Well, not, that, well, he's not committed yet. He's not committed. But is that what it's looking like? I mean, you have a chance. I mean, this kid could go to Maryland, Michigan, like Oregon. I, anywhere. Oregon's been talking. But the problem is, though, the kid's going to be a problem. Is what I mean. Like right. Six five and just like literally Olympic speed, at that it's stupid. So when I look at when I look at guys like Tyler Williams, not only does he have nice hands, right? See roots, boom, there you go. But when when you look at Tyler Williams, I, I think a lot of people look at the size and get caught up and don't pay attention to the speed. The kids got that juice too. Absolutely, I, I'm looking you forward said, to it. You guys Jordan. said Jordan Hall. And Jordan Hall was getting that buzz down there at the All-Star game. Like, you remember the buzz that Jalen Carter was getting when he was at the All-Star game. They're like, nobody can stop this guy. Nobody can stop him. And it, was like was- Kel- it was Michael. It was Michael last year like this. Yeah, same thing. So, Georgia's defense line. It, 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 I like the future. Uh, right now, I mean, you look at what Georgia brings back. I'm, I'm, I'm still worried, Dan and Robert, about edge rusher a little bit. We got to find a jack. I think that's the biggest question. But you look at defensive tackle, it's going to be, if, I, if my mind serves me correctly, there's your stack house in the middle. You're going to rotate Zion Lowe probably and Bear Warren Alexander, Brinson. who came Warren on. Brinson. Warren Brinson. Warren Brinson. I forgot about Warren Brinson. Thank you. Nope. Forgot about uh, Brinson. You still got Tyrion Ingram Dawkins. You better not defensive, forget about Brinson. You're going to play defensive end. And, uh, uh, you, said, you said Jack, right? You said, I think you could look at Jalen Walker being that guy. Like, dude, dudes, possibly. We'll see. My, my I mean, we'll see. My, you know, Michael. This is a this is a fun problem to have because you got so much elite depth that you could just plug and play. It feels like, but it's going to be situational too. Like, yeah, it, it, it's interesting. George's defense line is all interesting, and, and yeah, Nazir Nazir's doing big things. Hey, I don't know where he's going to get drafted in a year from now. He had a really good year. Uh, friend, our friend Brooks Austin has highlighted him countless times. A lot of people have highlighted him. Now, uh, Brooks has done a lot. We don't know where he's going to get drafted, but hey, if he goes in the first round or goes in day two, I wouldn't be surprised because with the way everyone says he's playing, he's playing at a high level. So I'm excited for George's defensive line. But with that being said, guys, Robert, thank you for coming on last minute. As I said in the comments, Dan, uh, you know, we had an open invitation waiting for an RSVP. Robert said, send me the link. I sent him a text and I said, okay, we're going to time it up for that wide receiver conversation at eight o'clock. Robert hopped on here, was a great guest. I told Dan, 
Uh, I mean, this uh, I didn't tell Dan. I, I shoot, I didn't even know we were gonna have Robert on until the opportunity blew up and he came on. Uh, so with that being said, Robert, tell them where they can find you. Uh, you can find me Instagram, Twitter uh, at the DGD Podcast. Uh, obviously, Monday, Wednesdays, me, Juan, Kobe. Uh, listen, come talk with the goat if you want to. You know, everybody talks Stetson, but still, I think Juan Daniels is the goat. I don't care what anyone you, at me. Don't at me with that. Don't come yeah. at me. Where can I find you? Uh, I'm on Instagram too, but uh, Dan Kylie three on Twitter. Um, follow me. Shoot that OnlyFans link over too. Yeah, baby, you pay me to keep my clothes on. <laughs> Facts. <laughs> with that being said, guys, follow me out here. Good money to be that way. This is episode 76 of the Top of the Top Podcast. That's Robert Reynolds and the DG Podcast. Dan? Go Dogs! <laughs>